This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley with the Collector Car Podcast. I am trying something new. I want to share some of the fascinating stories I've heard from original owners. These are folks that have owned their car since day one. And this is my first trial one, so hopefully it goes well and I will find some more. I do have some folks that are on deck, including the original owner of a 1982 Lamborghini Countach, a 1968 Ford Mustang Fastback factory GT4 speed car, and some others. So stay tuned for this first trial at an original owner interview. And what's really cool about this one is they're actually the original owner of two notable cars. So stay tuned for that. But first, I did want to cover a few different things, just more as an update. So Amelia Island just occurred, and uh, I wanted to share you know, a couple things from it. It was a record-breaking weekend. It was R.M. Sotheby's last time that they're at Amelia Island after 23 years or so. And one thing I want to do is I want to share my Fernandina find. So now if you're not on my email blast, shoot me a note, Greg at the Collector Car Podcast or gstanley at rmsethebees.com, and I will add you to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And here's a couple of pictures of my Fernandina find. It is a 1965 Mustang Hypo Fastback I found. And if you're joining me on the YouTube, you'll see some pictures from my Instagram feed floating across right now. So... Uh, just a really cool, fun car, especially one to bounce around uh, the dirt roads of Amelia. It's a driver, so uh, <laughs> don't set your expectations too high. But I will do a nice little email recap uh, called the Fernandina Find. Go over the whole story as to how I found it and what I've done to it. So be sure to subscribe by shooting me a note. Uh, let's see. What's next? Um, let's see. Like I said, it was the last Amelia Island auction for RM Sotheby's. Great result, over $70 million sold in just a few hours. Uh, some really, a couple records, I believe. I'll go over those here in a second. But I did want to cover a few of the cars. Not that they were surprising, but they were, you know, of note, I guess I would say. Uh, let's see. It looks like next year we will not be in Amelia Island, but we will be in southern Florida. I'm not sure of the date yet, but it will be around the same time frame, uh, I believe, in Coral Gables. So if you're... Uh, if you've never been to one of our auctions, be sure to put that on your calendar for next year. It should be announced fairly soon. So a couple of the cars I just wanted to make note of, um, and I'll pull them up here, and I'll cover the results here. One of the big cars we had was a 1931 Duesenberg Model J disappearing top convertible coupe by Murphy. Just a stunning car, one of our top three of the auction. Uh, it did sell for just under $4.3 million. Absolutely beautiful car with some period pictures back in the day. So Beautiful, beautiful car. The next one I wanted to cover is what I think was a record. Uh, 1964 Shelby 289 Cobra. Estimate was 900 to $1.2 million. It sold for $1.655 all in. And it's a gorgeous dark green. That's not the official color. With saddle interior. Stunning car. Now, I know some 289 Cobras have sold for more. But I believe those were typically comp cars, factory race cars, dragon snakes. Uh, something of that sort. So I think for a straight 289 Cobra, this might have been a, a record for it. Absolutely beautiful car. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about is the 2017 Dodge Viper ACR Voodoo 2. 
Uh, the estimate on this one's 275 to 325. It sold for over $417,000. I, I believe that speaks to the next generation collector grabbing these when they can. This is an extremely original uh, car towards the end of the production line. Uh, obviously, a ACR special edition car, black on black. There's not much more you can ask for as far as a future collectible. That's why I think that that one over exceeded the high estimate. All right, next I've got a 2014 Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Black Series. You know I've talked about these cars quite a bit, whether it's the Black Series or the base car. I know the Black Series is another level. The estimate on this one was $800 to $1 million. It sold right towards the high end at uh, $940,000. So uh, I think that that speaks to the collectability of these cars. And this one was very low miles, 616 miles since new. Now, if that was black on black with less miles, I think it would have gone even higher. And then the biggest car of the sale was the 1959 Ferrari 250GT long wheelbase California Spider, one of my dream cars of all time. Uh, we did not disclose what this one actually sold for. It did not sell on the block, but it was sold privately after the sale. So absolutely stunning car. Uh, it did sell. That was the highlight of our auction. A couple more I did just want to call out. One of them was a 1930 Packard uh, 745 Deluxe 8 convertible. Now, this one was very interesting because this is one of the pre-war cars where we keep saying things are soft. The estimate was 350 to 450 and it sold for over $600,000. Very surprising result, at least for me. One of four known survivors. Uh, outstanding car with some crazy colors on it. Yellow, green, orange, green top. Uh, really striking. Another car that caught my eye was this 1968 Porsche 911S Coupe Orange. For some reason, orange was very popular over the weekend. I had three people asking about the two different orange Porsches we had there. This one, the estimate was two hundred to $250,000 and sold for almost $300,000. So uh, quite a strong result for that one. All right, just a few more here. Dinos have really gone nuts lately, and this is another example. The 1968 Ferrari Dino 206 GT. So the estimate was 700 to 825. It actually went past the high estimate, selling for almost $900,000 for a Dino, $968,000. Uh, absolutely nuts. And it had some interesting inserts on the seats, kind of a fuzzy blue, black interior, but kind of a fuzzy blue insert on the seats. Don't know if that was period or not. Either way, I would probably change it, honestly. All right, just a few more. Uh, the big Pagani, the 2010 Pagani Zonda R Revolution. Uh, estimate was 4.8 to 6.8, sold right in the middle of that, around $5.4 million. This thing was very intimidating in person, absolutely beautiful, uh, but it had all the race spec stuff on it, instrumentation, panels, and uh, glass or plexiglass or whatever it was. So, you know, I would be nervous as heck if I was trying to drive this car. I'd much rather try to drive one of the, the factory street cars first. All right, the next one, another one that caught me by surprise was a 2006 Chevy Monte Carlo SS NASCAR, once driven by Jeff Gordon. These have kind of fallen flat over the last couple auctions where they didn't quite reach the low estimate. Now, maybe this is the Jeff Gordon factor. He was at Amelia Island for the weekend as part of the Concours. Uh, the estimate was 130 to 160, which I think was dead on. Most of these have been selling for around 100. This one almost sold for 200. So I don't know if that's just a little sign of things to come or not. I guess we'll find when the next NASCAR 
with uh, notable pedigree uh, crosses the auction block to find out. All right, and then the last car I kind of want to talk about, or second to last, is the one I called uh, as the sleeper car for the sale. 2000 Porsche Boxer S, nothing special. It is an S. It does have some cool options to it. It's kind of that dark purple color. The estimate was twenty dollars to $25,000, which was probably right on for a used car. Uh, only 4,500 miles on it, in really nice shape, and a hammer sold for almost $40,000. So I knew this one was going to ring the bell, um, and it is just a beautiful, nice little driver. I had quite a few people asking me about this car. Father and son were taking the paint meter to it. Uh, someone else told me they wanted to buy it cheap, and I knew that wasn't going to happen at one of these auctions. So hopefully whoever bought that is just really going to enjoy it. Now, the last car I want to talk about, I fell in love with, not because of the car as a whole. It's a gorgeous car. Uh, it's an iconic car. It's a 1963 Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Roadster. But the reason I fell in love with this car was because of a very rare option. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, I do have this pulled up. I'll flip through some pictures here in a minute. But the option, it was in the driver's side mirror, and it's a gauge built into the mirror that is an outside temperature gauge. And I just thought that was pretty cool. Now, an interesting thing happened to me around this car is I was asked to drive it for a potential buyer. So I met the buyer there. And why don't you know it? He had roped in Paul Russell, who is the premier restoration expert, especially on 300 SLs. You know, the guy that knows more about these cars than anybody probably almost in the world, at least in the U.S. And so all of a sudden, I was going to possibly drive this 300 SL Estimates 1.6 to 1.8 million dollars with the premier expert in the passenger seat, you know, going on a gravel road, you know, driving around Amelia where I don't really know where I'm going. So I was not really looking forward to that. Yes, I want to drive a 300 SL, <laughs> but not in that particular circumstance. As it turns out, he had already got an approval to drive it with his client in the car. Now, that's very rare. Typically, the car specialist has to do it, but someone of Paul Russell's expertise and noteworthiness, no, not a problem. So he took the car out. I didn't have to drive it. So I was somewhat relieved. Actually, I was greatly relieved, but then I was also disappointed because I wanted to drive this beautiful car. So it's an absolutely stunning car, sold for just under the high estimate of $1.8 million. Uh, really, really cool. So I just thought I'd share that fun and nerve wracking <laughs> situation I had uh, at the auction. So that's it for Amelia. What I will say is if you wanted to uh, list consign one of your cars for our Monterey auction, I would recommend doing it as quickly as possible. Uh, typically, the cars that are under a million dollars will take those at the beginning of the consignment process, but as the spots fill up, the price point to get into the auction goes higher, higher, and higher. So if you have a really cool car that you think would do really well at Monterey, please reach out to one of our car specialists. You can go to armsothebees.com and find one, or you can shoot me a note G. Stanley at rmsuthabies.com or Greg at the Collector Car Podcast. I highly recommend, if you're going to do it, start the process as quickly as possible. The next thing I just wanted to make a note of is we do have the Garage Ista sale going on right now. Uh, it is a cool sale of really rare stuff. It's basically someone who had collected all these amazing parts over the years. A lot of Ferrari parts. Uh, I think there were some Porsche parts in there, even a couple of McLaren parts. Um, and decided to sell them. And I just think you should really check it out. There's 605 lots. Even if you don't want any of these things, it's really cool to look at these. 
I'm just gonna rattle off some of the items that are for sale. A Ferrari FXX engine. Now that's the Ferrari that was built based on the Enzo and they made I think 37 of them or 40 of them and they raced them around the world. Uh, you can get an engine in the crate. They have Enzo headlights, 275 GTB tachometer, Mura SV wheels, Countach Space Saver tire, McLaren F1 GTR wheels, Bugatti Veyron instrument cluster, which is absolutely gorgeous, a Ferrari 250 short wheelbase alloy nose, just on and on and on. All these amazing parts that are probably really, really, really hard to find. Some wonderful uh, paintings and posters and all sorts of cool stuff. So be sure to check that out. All right, that is it as far as catching up on some of the things that are going on or have happened recently. Uh, so let's check out my interview with an original owner of a really cool car. All right, now we're going to have a fun part of this interview. I wanted to interview folks about uh, original owners. So if they've had the car, they bought it new 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, why do they still have it? So for this very first episode, I'd like to welcome Shirley MacArthur. Shirley, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being on the Collector Car Podcast. Uh, we met oh so briefly at the Las Vegas Concours, and I was really blown away by your car. And so our listeners don't know what I'm talking about. So tell us a little bit about your original owner car. Our original owner car is a 2000 Cobra R, bought originally from Duluth, Georgia, right off the lot. Um, it came off the lot in July of 2000. We bought it 17 days later, um, and it only has 33 miles on the engine, so it's completely show car. Yeah, that's what really blew me away, because as I'm walking around doing my fun little videos, and if if you want to go back to my YouTube channel, I did a 60-second video of this car just because I, I fell in love with it. It is so perfectly factory correct and kept original. Like, I couldn't find a spot of anything on it. Was that the goal from the day that it was bought? originally it was just bought for um, investment purpose, but then um, we decided to start showing the car. And right. now because of that, we really want to keep it strictly all original. Everything's original parts um, and really show it off to the public. And it's, it's been fun ever since. Yeah. That's a cool way to use it because I always, I'm a driver. Like I want to drive my car. So if I, I would never want to buy your car because I'd feel like I want to drive it. So I appreciate wanting to keep it as it was from the factory. Um, you know, there's a lot of other, I think, what were there, 107 built, 105? There were 300 built of the 2000. Okay. And so tell our listeners a little bit about why this is special. It's not just a Mustang. It's just not a GT. It's just not a Cobra. Why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about why it's special? The reason why this one is special, it is build number 10 and Ford kept one through nine and 10 was the first to go to a um, dealership for sale. So we actually have the diamond in the rough of number 10. And now it's more special, even more. We um, had Carol Shelby sign the engine, the air plenum, and he assigned our owner's book. And last summer we met up with Edsel Ford and he has now since signed. And since you saw the car in December, um, another piece has been added to the car in the front of the development. The development team has signed a piece of the car and it has been authenticated by John Clore, 
of one of five that were signed by this group. So we have all of the development team as sign the car. Well, if you want to offset some of the value added by the signatures, you can have me sign it and I will actually decrease the value. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us about, yeah, tell us a little bit about the R model specifically, because I'm a Mustang Shelby guy, the base GT 350s, you know, 562, something like that. And then you have the R model, which is special race only model that uh, was 37 or so. And you know, you had in the in the VIN, you had the S for street, you had the R for race, which is where that comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know that they made some, you know, some more R, R models later, you know, in the Fox body, they had a tribute one. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of that had like 100 models. And then you had the one in the uh, S95s that had the 351 V8 in it. So mm -hmm. tell us what is different from, you know, an R model, uh, Cobra R versus a regular Cobra. Um, the, the difference is the race package, um, the, the fin on the back, um, the spoiler in the front, um, we do not have the roll cage in it, but everything was stripped out of it. There's no radio near, no air conditioning. Um, so it made the car lightweight enough to race. Um, in 95, they did a, they did a Cobra R then too. That one, you had to have a racing license just to purchase the car. And then when they did the 2000, it was the fastest Mustang built at the time. And in fact, um, in 2000, when they were doing the Cobras, this was the only one brought off the line because they were having an issue um, in the factory. So no other Cobra in the year 2000 was built except for the R. Oh, okay. Interesting. So uh, mm -hmm. now you mentioned yours does not have the roll bar. Do they, some of them come with a factory roll bar? Some have put, in, put them into their car. Um, like we do have a 95 Cobra R. We bought back the original one that we owned. So we now have our original owner car back um, and it has a roll cage in it because the uh, gentleman who bought it from us turned it into a race car, which was 95 was originally intended for. And he won the circuit with the car for two years. So we actually have two Cobra R's in the family. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. Now you need to go back to the Fox body and then go back to the original. If you can find one of those suckers. The 93s are a little different They're with being the Fox body. So yeah, that we would have the trifecta if we could find one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and typically from a market perspective, that's the most valuable car from each one of those generations. If I remember correctly, I know Fox body, they had some other cars that hit big numbers like the seven up special, you know, some different ones or the, yeah, I think it was seven up the green, green convertible, <laughs> but, um, large, you know, by and large, it was the Cobra R correct. That's the most valuable from each generation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And ours, ours is very valuable being, being that it's number 10 and with 33 miles on it and with all of the signatures, signatures that I've been able to acquire for the car. Right. Right. Yeah. That totally <laughs> makes sense. So now, you said it was initially bought as an investment. So of those 33 miles, where did those miles come from? Did you get it with like 18 and you would drive it to car shows? Um, 20 had come from Ford, from the factory. They had put 20 miles on it. So we've only added 13. And that's been strictly from like taking it on and off the trailer and um, putting it into position for a car show. So now, what kind of desire is there just to floor it and have a good time? I would tell you there's a big desire, but just to see what it does. And even talking to John Coletti, who is one of the masterminds of the Cobra R, has said we just need to feel it. But um, being that it's worth dollar value is up there. There's that 
oh, oh, what happens if something happens to the car? Right, so. right, right. Yeah. Well, for my listeners, stay tuned because I will do a couple little market trends as far as uh, not that this car, this car, as well as the other Cobra R, just to give a little snapshot as far as evaluations on these. So be sure to stay tuned. Now, you mentioned it was bought as an investment to begin with. Did it just get parked in the garage for a couple years and then someone decided to pull it out? It was parked in the car, parked in the garage. And about right before COVID hit, my husband and I decided, let's get it out. We were invited to the Hillsboro Concourse Dialogance to be a display. And we took it down there and overwhelming response for it. And in fact, John Clenard, who is still a part of Ford, um, just happened to be a judge and he got to see the car. And from there, it just became a love of getting the car out there. And it's not about the awards. It's not about the accolades. It's been strictly little kids running up, teenagers coming up to the car, not really knowing that they would ever see one in real life. Um, they're on Grand Theft Auto. Um, you can have the car, you can change the colors on it and race it. And just, just for them to say, I never thought I'd see one, or is it real? And the excitement on their face just makes every car show worth it. Yeah, so. that's really cool. It's interesting because I would have thought you started showing it like 10 years ago, but no, no. you recently started showing it. I was at the Hillsborough Concord judging Ferrari, so I, I was so mindset like this. I did not see your car there, uh, but obviously when I was at the Las Vegas Concord, it really impressed me, uh, the quality that it is in. So yeah, that's really cool. So what's the goal with the car? Is it just go as is, keep showing it, keep sharing it with others? It, for us right now, we want to get to the 25th anniversary of the car. Um, in fact, we're, we've been invited by the SVT team is doing a 30 year reunion this year at the Ford Nationals in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. So we are taking the car there um, to be a display and building tea for them. And from there, it's gonna take somebody special to come along and say, hey, I wanna buy it from you, um, that we would feel comfortable to do that for. And right now it's just the love of getting it out there and showing people the condition that the car is in and what how we value that car. So now of, of the 300 or so that were built, have you seen another one in the same condition with similar miles? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, in fact, um, I still talk to John Clore and John Clenard quite often, and both of them would tell you that our car is in pristine condition compared to others that they have seen throughout the country. Right. So we know we're kind of that diamond in the rough for yeah. this car. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. So, okay. So I see the path. You want to continue sharing it, have people enjoy it, get to the big 25th anniversary, and then possibly you might be open to moving it to the next stewardship. You know, people are going to steward it. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been able to, with the help of the SVT team members, um, get parts for the car. I have the prototype pedals for the car. I now have the prototype um, gear shift knob. Um, given to me and most all of the um, articles and everything that were written about the 2000 Cobra R, I've been able to get my hands on most all of it. And it's going to be a museum piece by the time we're done. But for now, it's it's just the love of the car. And I I was not a car person at all 
until four years ago. And I, I really got into knowing all the information I could on the 2000 Cobra R and I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I enjoy spending time with my husband at car shows. It's, it's been thoroughly enjoyable. And I, I don't know if we want it to stop. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. Is there another car covered up next to this one that you're just waiting to pull out for a show? We, there is one that's, that's kind of been covered up. It is the 95 Cobra R. Um, yep. We've actually, a shock to us, um, we're getting ready for next month to go down to La Jolla, California for the La Jolla Concourse de Elegance. And in their race car division, the 95 Cobra R will be there. And like I said, that one, we were the original owners, um, bought it straight off the lot um, from Landmark Ford. That car was actually sold to buy the 2000 Cobra R. And ever since then, it, it killed my mother-in-law that she, we were, they were forced to sell it to buy the 2000. And so two years ago on a, not, I don't know if you want to call it a dare, but see if I could find car number 23. And I did, I found the car in three hours, found the owner talking to him on the phone in six. And in 24 hours, we had our car back. And in fact, he had a box full of paperwork and I, I have back all the original paperwork from the day that car was bought. So, and it's gonna be on display there at La Jolla. And we've invited the driver who ended up buying it and racing that car. And he won the circuit, the American Iron Circuit in 2005 and 2006 with that car. So it's it's got a story and it it meant the moon to bring that car home. And so now we have them both in a garage together. Yeah, that's great. I think you need to just put them <laughs> and Carlisle together. <laughs> there, there is there is that potential that we are working with Ford to get the 95 there as well for them to display it as well. So wow. we, we probably have both there. That's really amazing. Well, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your original owner story with me. Um, uh, thank you for your time on the Clutch of Car podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the car before we wrap it up? I just love the car. It it means a lot to our family to have it and keep it in the pristine um, condition that it is. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, how come you haven't driven it and all of that? But it's for the love of the car to yeah. keep it all original. And because there's there's only 300 made and there's not very many of them out there. A lot of them are wrecked. And, you know, one day these cars are going to be those full collectible cars. And we're going to have the one that is originally from the factory. So it's going to be like those old, you know, 64 Ford Mustangs. Here we right. have the 2000 Mustangs. So, yeah. It's really that's why we do it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a great, great way to sign off. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was really cool to see, like, why did they buy the car initially, obviously as an investment, but the fact that they went back and they bought their 1995 Cobra R. So like I said, I thought it'd be fun to share some of the valuation trends uh, for these cars. I just decided to do all of the R models. So let's start, you know, R models, Cobra R's, GT350 R's. Those are the cars I want to talk about. All right, so the first one, let's go to the granddaddy, the 1965 Shelby GT350R. Number one, Concorde condition, just over $1 million, up 5% recently. But you can see it's basically been flat for about five years at that price point. 
Uh, let's see. The next one is the 1993 Fox Body Ford Mustang 5.0 SVT Cobra R. They all seem to have different names. Number one condition is $156,000, up 20%. Latest one year. If you look at the full year trend, it's increased dramatically since January of 2020. All right, our next one, let's look at the 1995 Mustang SVT Cobra R. Interestingly enough, this is the cheapest from a valuation trend of any of these R models. Number one, Concord condition up $91,000, basically up 208% over the last, uh, actually over its entire time frame, over the last year up 36.8%. Uh, so that one has really gone through the roof, but still hasn't caught up with either of the ones I've already spoken about. Or our 2000 Ford Mustang Cobra R, number one Concorde condition, up 121%. Latest one year, it is up 21%. So really cool cars. I guess the one that I did not put in this would be the 2015 uh, Shelby Mustang GT350R. They did make, I believe, 37 of those to commemorate the original 1965 version. Those are very, very rare. And it's cool when you see the 1965 version as well as the 2015 together in the same collection. Shout out to the Newport Car Museum because they do have both of their those in their collection. So as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.